Hello, universe. Welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back to discuss, finally, the season finale of The Bear, episode 10 of season 2, entitled The Bear, written by Kelly Galuska, directed by Christopher Storer, who is a genius at the one-shots. I was surprised that Jamie Lee Curtis showed up in the finale because I was starting to believe in the Mimi pessimism <laughs> involving the actress not being able to to show up once again. And even though I think I even countered it, I was like, she probably right. Probably not going to make no mention. And there she was smoking a cigarette in that bomb ass wig. I was like, damn, that got some bounce to it. I was very distracted. I was like, who is your hairdresser that day? Because they laid your shit out. How is it up there? You, I mean, it, it's so... She plays that role better than I think she realized. She plays that role really well of the... On the corner. Like, I know people, mothers, that are just like that. That be, like, had their hair laid out. They life ain't shit. Smoking a cigarette, but still got their makeup on. <laughs> I don't know why, but she feels so authentic everything about her aesthetic they do a really good job of that in this show that's why so many people connect to it because it feels like real life and not a sitcom version of it and it's those little small touches that you can recognize that actually inform that so i gave this finale a 9.8 out of 10 while it was phenomenal, I do think the previous episode I liked better. I don't think. I know I did because clearly I gave that episode a 10. Before we jump into the recap, we ever listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media would be down there as well. We will be replacing the bear with Wheel of Time. I wanted to get to it this weekend. I was not able to. And now we're on episode four, but that's fine. I don't need to get caught up when they drop three episodes like that. I'm like, okay, well, I guess that means I'll be two weeks behind. (laughs) Cause I'm not, I, I can't binge. I cannot do it anymore. My life does not even allow for my attention span. It has to be top tier to get me to dedicate half of my weekend to watching your television show like if foundation three dropped i'd be all over that bitch if expanse number seven wants to come out of the fucking woodwork i'd be all over that shit i'd 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 totally give up my whole entire weekend for it but there's not many other shows on that and will of time hella show ain't so let's just hope this season they ain't pissing me off giving me hemorrhoids with their decision making and reactionary responses that make me drag many of the adults that act like children. I heard it's gotten better though. And they've cut a lot of the the other storylines. And I recently found out about it because I didn't even watch the trailer. Did I watch the trailer? At least I don't recall watching the trailer, which is not a great sign. But we're still going to do it. I'm going in with with optimism 
even though it totally doesn't sound like it. So if you want to send feedback for that, blackercouch at gmail.com. Let's get into this finale. It starts off really intense with Sydney ignoring Marcus, something she consistently does about them cannolis. Why you gotta be so rude? Don't you know I'm human too? Put a pin in that, we'll get back to it. Sugar is excited and cheered on by her husband, Pete. We all need a Pete in our lives, women. There was a study out that said women prefer man dad bods. And I'm like, yeah, because that's what most women would prefer. Because <laughs> the six pack motherfuckers are with the Twiggies. So yeah, we gonna vote for what we most likely fucking. I don't know why. That was somehow a surprise and needed to be put out there in a poll like shocker. But my point is guys like Pete are the ones that are the good ones that will break down and sob at the table and tell you how much they love you. I don't know if I would um, particularly not feel weirded out if my significant other started crying and telling me how much they loved me in the fashion in which he did in public daddy chill but like deep down in one soul that that's the kind of man you want on the inside maybe not at the restaurant sweetie in the in the bedrooms okay that's our safe place and mine <laughs> Sugar wonders at her mom's reaction to what they've done with the place. She notices the light being too hot above Uncle Jimmy. I love that she put her table right next to where she could see his immediate reaction to things. Smart. She passes that note on. I like seeing the note system in progress. Richie gives everyone a warm welcome including claire bear which wow y'all gotta stop with that name it's just such a definitive type of nickname to give someone even if they are together i just i don't know they were doing that shit before it's almost as if they've been writing And there's another part of me that's like, what's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's cute. But I also think maybe because I just didn't see it. I didn't see the romance unfolding. So it only feels too quick for me. I suppose it's just all rational. It just doesn't feel authentic because I didn't watch it unfold. (laughs) I'm just being told things more than I'm feeling anything. And then there was only really one truly intimate scene. Granted, it's 30 minute episodes. But like I said, they could have they could have massaged this much longer if it was more than a plot point for the season. We'll talk more about that at the end of the episode. I don't know how I felt about the forehead to forehead thing and her calling him cousin. I understand that they grew up together. I grew up with people in my block. I don't call them cousin. Did she come over to the family meals or something? Maybe there's 
bit more history between them two as far as knowing each other yeah because it's still i think that's why richie is pushing it so hard he's still very much doing what his best friend wanted and so he's very much like oh car or she says carmy loves you very much and he's like i love him very much too just don't tell him that everything i feel for carmy in his mind associated with his family is a bit tainted and that's why he simply can't enjoy because it's going to be caught up in the tornado because it is already a part of the tornado that is his past i did enjoy his words to sydney's dad richie that is your daughter is very important to us oh bitch considering where these two people started that was surprisingly poignant i think my only only slight critique is it's another one of those plot points that aren't necessarily earned and that's because there's been no conversation between these two characters other than an acknowledgement of the other's importance in in uh carmy's life and in the life of this restaurant and so i would have preferred throughout the season that this had been something they had did a little bit more character development with because while it was sweet my immediate backup thought was ah this feels a little rushed as well (laughs) and he's happy to hear how proud that the dad is Drinks are on the way. He's not an alcoholic, which they are all aware of. So they bring him a soda, (laughs) a soda tray, which was cute. He was there with a coworker. It looked like. Sydney feels overwhelmed already and wants Carmen to take over. And while he won't do that, he does get Marcus to help her on tickets. I'm going to pause there. Because we need to talk about Sydney's need for Carmi to take charge. She still doesn't feel as if she has it, as if she can do or is of value to this kitchen. She hasn't owned being chef de cuisine to the greatest up and coming rising chef there is who already has earned his michelin star she still feels in his shadow and constantly wants to follow his lead and he wants her to find her own voice and take her lead so it's interesting that the episode ended with sydney finally realizing that she doesn't have to do it alone that she has a team that she invested in and that trust her and she needs to trust them but more importantly she needs to trust herself and while carmy was here for her to support at the beginning of the night very very quickly he gets distracted and refocuses back on his inner instead of focusing 
back on their partnership. And every time he veers off course, it doesn't work out for Carmi mentally, or in this case, physically. But more importantly, Sydney learned that she can be successful without Carmi there to support her. Marcus takes over the tickets and tries to apologize for the awkwardness she denies is happening, having compartmentalized that entire revealing conversation in another closed box. It's the first time I saw a similarity between her and Carmichael. Honestly, when she said, I fuck up all the time, I was kind of wondering like, well, can I get some examples other than your failed restaurant? But I mean, failing at a business is uh, especially when you're young doesn't seem as if it's the end of the world even though it did cost her a lot she still can pursue other things that would be akin to her passion and she's still very talented and then it clicked oh of course emotionally when it's time to handle things the same way in which he did not confront Carmichael this entire time about his even though she did she didn't with a firmness that that she needed to I think in some pinpoints but again when you're dealing with someone who has such an explosive type of reaction to things I think that there needs to be a little bit more effort into making sure you guys, I mean, Carmichael does defer a lot when he oversteps, but man, where's that? Like the, you blow up, dude, you blow all the way up. And sometimes it's over the most minute details. Cindy, on the other hand, just shuts down. She shuts down. She cuts it off it's no longer a conversation to be had. <laughs> she refuses to even to, to take into account his emotions in that moment. And I thought in a way that was cruel and the way Carmen can be cruel by the way he likes to ignore his sisters and almost everyone around him is emotions sometimes. Tina lets Carmi know Josh disappeared. So he has to cover his station. Gary brings up that they are low on forks and passes that information to Natalie who wants to know the odds from Pete of her mom showing up because she's constantly seeking to make her mother happy. I don't like that Natalie is essentially a bit of a carpet, someone you would run over because they are desperately seeking to give to others there she's a true empath she feels what other people are feeling she understands completely why they're feeling that way and she allows herself to to take the brunt of that with that with very little acknowledgement for her sacrifice but that's just who she is as a person and i i love natalie <laughs> a lot because i can relate so much to how some people they they do they take advantage of that person that's always there that's always dependent that's always responsible that's the go-to person 
who's always treated the worst, but consistently the one people go to. And she's just, she's so open of heart and giving whatever is needed to give. She could just sit down and enjoy a dinner, but that's not (laughs) what what she's allowed to do this night and she takes it in stride because part of her loves this but this need for recognition from her mother I think is something that haunts her Pete treats her like a queen tells her how proud he is of her despite her saying that means everything she still wants the odds proving it isn't the one thing she desires the most he said, I give it 75, 25, 75. She don't show up 25%. She do show up. I was thinking maybe y'all should be more concerned about if she shows up because, um, you know, she could show up and be proud, but she can also show up and be resentful. And we will not know until it happens. She curses Carmi out when she gets back in the kitchen about his inability to count forks. I'm going to get you a fucking calculator. Something she warned him about because they are low on them. So she sends sweeps to the store to buy as many forks as possible. Marcus finally blows up at Sydney for refusing to answer him. English motherfucker, do you speak it? This is just another thing to add to the list of things items that Carmi simply dropped the ball on the pots not being where they're supposed to that was his call he didn't make it the forks we need this much he's like no I know how much we need I see a little bit of um self-agenda but no follow-through it's, it's back to that responsibility part. It's got all the ideas, but none of the execution. <laughs> Unless it comes to plating. Carmi does come to her defense. Also about Marcus blowing up in this moment. He absolutely deserved to blow up on her because she was being hella disrespectful. He needed to do his job and you were now interfering in doing his job because you refuse to answer him and he calls her out like why are you being why are you not answering me because you're mad at me and I think she is mad at him for putting her in the position of it being awkward she feels it's unfair of him to put her in that position and it's childish of her to react in the manner in which he did there's no excuse for it he goes back to his station. She apologizes to Carmi. But I think that apology was because she knew that she should have confronted that situation before it got to that point. Anyone with eyes could see that his heart was on you, though. And that explains more appropriately all of the weird silences. It's like, He was waiting for her to kind of add more to their conversation. And then she's just like, okay, I said what I needed to say to you. I don't have anything else more to talk about. Why are you still here? Now I get it much better. Josh is still MIA. 
shit tripping. Natalie goes back to her husband and apologizes for being absent, but he tells her she's easier to live with since she isn't quite as pissed, spending all her anger in the kitchen. Despite all the fuck me, she does enjoy doing what she does because she's like, the toilet's clogged, I gotta go take care of it. Back in the kitchen, Claire's table is up. Because Richie came back earlier and got into Carmi's head, Richie's like the devil on his shoulder. And Claire is like the angel on his shoulder. And in this case, she's saying, we're in the shit already. This is not the appropriate time to go say hi to your girlfriend. And we're going to see a scene one second later about how you handle being concerned by for a family member or a loved one while also needing to do your job. If y'all weren't in the shit and you wanted to go take this out to your girlfriend, great. If this wasn't a run through, great. But that's not what was happening. And I think he would not have left if it wasn't for Richie saying, you need to go say hi to her. Well, he said, I'm busy. I can't just go out there and chit chat. (laughs) Oh, but no, come on. You know, you only live. You got to live your life. So he decides to not listen to the angel on his shoulder telling him to do the right thing and goes out to deliver his girlfriend personally her meal. Sydney, just as concerned about the dining experience of her father, chooses to stay in the hole, getting bigger by the second, mind you, and sends Neil to go check on her father instead. Richie is very pushy in his desire for him to be with Claire. And other than it's Mike slash wish, it would be considered a bit aggressive. This is opening night. You know they are working out the kinks. All tables, their food is moving slow. You're getting the memos. And while Richie stepped the fuck up in this episode and I ain't got no complaints to him, that little bit in his head, it all keeps coming back and and he's still doing it kind of at the behest of his brother. And these, these people are... People that he loved and idolized, but also people that truly left some emotional scars. So mayhap on this one day where he has a moment to shine, let him focus on himself. Curious right after hearing mom hasn't come and then seeing Claire, Carmine starts to regurgitate the feelings of self-loathing and self-recrimination in the form of his former boss, which I am still not convinced he actually told him he should die. He probably said some fucked up shit to him because there's something to the idea that true genius is a descent into madness And sometimes people can be spurred on or more challenged to get better by the abuse that comes with that. And I think for Carmichael, that's what his trigger is. His success comes when he's being emotionally abused. That's what he's trying to continuously prove something against that abuse. 
which leads to his dumpster fire of a night. <laughs> it begins right at this, this moment, that dark knot of despair manifests itself. As soon as he got back in that kitchen, love the so- sound design between going in the kitchen and out of the kitchen. Uh, he sees that the seven fishes, of course it would be the seven fishes, that would be cold, another trigger, because hands were needed, and you decided to go out and socialize, so that's another thing that he can add to this continuous list of what he is amounting of his failures. Sydney also decides to not make excuses and apologizes for letting the food get cold, even though he was doing a lot of yelling. She's able to calm him down. He apologizes. She apologizes. And then she apologizes for the tone that she gave Tina earlier about the steak because she wanted her to be like, uh, we need to put out more of these. And she's like, well, they're not going out unless they're perfect. And even though she did say please and thank you, she knows she could have been a little bit more supportive to what she was going through in that moment too. Carmi's lack of concentration uh, comes full circle when he finds himself karmically trapped in the freezer because he could not call the, the, I thought Tony was the freaking uh, freezer guy. Even I don't remember the freezer guy's name. I don't know if it's Terry or Tony. I think it was Terry actually. <laughs> So it leaves his team without their most experienced, not only just, you know, their team captain, but their most experienced leader. Turns out they don't need him. Sydney holds everything to finally be able to take a moment, step up, and you got Richie there, and he he decides that look I can help I can do it because she's like I can do this I can do that she's trying to shuffle everything around on the board but she still ends up with one man short Richie says look I can do it and she says yeah and he looks at her like will you trust me and she's like I'm gonna trust you let's get it started let's get it started in here let's get it started sidebar it turns out i was discussing the show with my mom this weekend one she thought marcus was gay that him and the roommate were actually together and i had to break it down to her thoroughly that that was not the case but secondly she too was down for the crack ship that is richie and sydney she loved them together and one of the things she misses the most and i kind of am with her is their back and forth because they were even though it was toxic and it was uh more often than not full of uh, (laughs) asperity even little interactions between them i think they were one of the favorite parts about season one um acrimonious that was the word i was looking for earlier not as i don't even know if asperity is a word let's go google it
Okay, yeah, my my dictionary in my brain did not fail me. Hasperity does mean roughness, abrasiveness, <laughs> harshness. Yeah, uh, I unintentionally searched for the correct uh, correct word in my Rolodex. Happens sometimes. But my boy is used to handling being in the middle of the storm. So it makes sense that he would be the most experienced, valued person to be able to do the one job that he technically had been doing since the beginning. He's just in a different, just in a different uh, suit in a better, better kitchen and in a restaurant. And when he said, I got you, chef. Yeah, I need more Richie and Sydney in season three. Thank you. The tone flattening was a great, a great uh, addition before you got to watch them all jam. I loved when Natalie came in with a new shirt because she unclogged the toilet. And then upon hearing Carmi's situation. Right you are, motherfucker. I do like that Natalie does not at all hold back with Carmichael. (laughs) She almost felt giddy at the idea that he would be the owner of his own demise. But I also fully am with her. I wanted to fist bump. Cindy asked for help with dishes and she's like, yes, chef, not concerned about Carmi surprisingly because it's finally her show Faka is told he's front of house by Richie and he admits to him that he's out of his element and scared Richie tells him this is a new world order and to not be scared Carmi is losing his shit in the freezer so much so his own team is horrified I I like that they pan to them to say that he's not acting even though it's just thumping right oh god i'm stuck in the freezer like maybe he's claustrophobic (laughs) but i think even if you're claustrophobic you might just sit in a little corner you might freak out but eventually you sit down and realize okay there's nothing you can do but he's just going fucking ham at the door and richie and sydney are so focused and dialed in that they absolutely just don't have time for his shit He doesn't know what's going on and thus he feels out of control and feeling out of control gets him to lash out and they now are becoming well Richie's probably been and Sydney's becoming (laughs) accustomed to uh, these kind of reactions from him and they're not really giving into what he's got going on because look we have to do the do the work but i did feel bad for him all of his anxiety and his insecurities they're all coming crashing against him in waves and i'm sure this is exactly in a lot of ways what his mother must feel exacerbated by alcohol and they just go down these very very dark rabbit holes 
I liked some comedic relief with uh, Fox smelling the flowers. <laughs> Pitt is so nice. Fox tells him he's going to be a great dad. He turns around and sees Diddy outside and tries to get her to come in, but she refuses. He says, you'll be so proud of them. She says, I can't take it. What can you take? Because while she's proud of them and loves them, she doesn't know how to apologize or show that she indeed does love them. So she recognized, she recognizes that she is self-destructive. And when she gets into a situation with her children, with her family, she, uh, I think all of the guilt that she feels for the way in which she's treated them, the emotional damage that she's left. She doesn't want to face that. So instead of facing that, she kind of acts the way she does. And she might realize, I don't know, I'm just throwing out some things. I'm not saying this is (laughs) exactly the case, but she might think that she would unintentionally sabotage their or intentionally sabotage their success because there's something in her that's broken. And while she does feel like she wants them to be happy, she can't enjoy them being happy. Peace like girl, just come in. It's cold. She was looking a little sprung out, a little sprung out like she might have been drinking or maybe doing some other stuff. Uh, Pete says, just come in. But she says, just tell me it's okay. He blurts out that Natalie is pregnant and she's advanced. She's not three months. She's about seven months pregnant and she has not told her mother. And the fact that let's just say six months, because that's how long it took to get them to open. Well, eh, we could add about a month or two. Yeah. So she's close to being due. She wanted this to be the moment she told her mom that she was having a baby because she wanted to highlight the success with the business to coincide with her telling her that. And it's just a testament to me of the damage she caused to her children's esteem. Their self-esteem is very, very low. And that is a direct result of their mother absolutely destroying that. Um, At every chance she probably got. She promises she will talk to her children and go see them. But she's avoiding, like I said, her own failures. And she wants Pete to basically relieve her of that responsibility to go in. And it was it was. A terrible position to put Pete in. He later feels awful about it, which is why I think he was crying. Because he did tell her it was okay. And then she walked away. Because in her mind, I was given a reprieve from actually going in there. Versus, no, get your ass in this building. You're going to say hello to your children. It's not okay. Or even just saying that, it's not okay. They finish everything to celebration within the five minutes. They get all the orders out. Richie tasks Marcus with finding that motherfucker Josh, who he does outside smoking meth. 
fire you. Let me go check. What do you mean you think? I would have been like, I don't know if I have the authority to fire you. <laughs> Despite Sydney still claiming it wasn't weird today. Girl, stop it. They are still friends because that's what he basically is acknowledging. Hey, whatever. We're not going to talk about what happened today. Clearly, you're not going to talk about it. But I have something that will make you feel better. Get us off of the awkwardness because you're my friend. And this is what I would want to tell my friend because this shit is wild. Josh is outside smoking crack. He said it kicks him so much ass. It helps him kick so much ass. She said that simply cannot be true. But he was chopping that crap out of those carrots earlier. You could tell I took a dab if you look into my eyes. I thought that was a great moment between them. They both was like, oh, damn, that made sense. Now it's all, it's all uh, falling into place. It's like, so I, I told him I needed to ask permission if I should fire him or not. She's like, no, no, you should definitely fire him. Back at their table, Pete says, you should forgive your mother for not showing up amidst a wad of tears. <laughs> and that he loves her very much. It must be a disappointment, though, for Natalie and for Carmichael, for her not to to give them any type of... But I don't think... I think it's different for Carmi because he doesn't actually seek out his mother at all. It's like they, they definitely, and I don't know what that is considering the last time we did see them. I mean, I, we know clearly what that is, but I think maybe he is afraid to look in the mirror a little bit at what he might see. And I do mean when he gets in his mother's company. Sweeps gives Jimmy his dessert from Richie, which is a chocolate banana. I missed the reference, so somebody is going to have to tell me in the comments below. Tina tells Carmi everyone is doing good while he's locked in the freezer, but that's not what he, he is even focusing on. He doesn't care that the night was successful. He doesn't care that everyone loves the place. He doesn't care that his girlfriend's out there. He cares about all of the things that he's been counting up in the last five minutes while he's been just saying, fuck, 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 you dumb fuck over and over again. But knows he could have been more present, which that's true. But that's why he has a team. <laughs> and even though some things didn't go because he's just tripping about the shelves which isn't that big of a deal because while they are you know it is kind of a, a shit thing that he would get locked in the freezer because he didn't call the freezer guy it isn't the end of the world it is it, it didn't lead to them all failing if anything you know they were able to put their head down due to the leadership of sydney and by extension, Richie, and and really put into place all of the things they've been learning up until now. That that happened without him, I think is is goes to show just how much growth they've actually uh, done in the last six months. 
Whereas Carmi has been trying to feel an emotional void. And that's why you have a partner and a staff to hold you when you fall. But Carmi is a perfectionist, so he doesn't believe in the idea of any type of failure. So he isn't even able to congratulate his team because he's too now caught up in his own hellscape. Tina tries to assure him, no, baby, that's, you know, that's silly. (laughs) You know, when did we change the mustard? Who cares? Like, she knows these things, but he doesn't. And he's like, yeah, I've lost focus. I failed you guys. And he ends up blaming Claire. Like, I should not have been caught up in trying to find my own happiness. So, Claire... I did not feel bad for Claire this episode because she was warned. Is this a good time to go back there? No. What part of no don't you understand? But why? You don't need to fucking know why. The answer is no. (laughs) This isn't happy hour. He's doing his job. Let him do his job. You can see him afterwards. You can see him when it's closing down. But you ain't going to see him now. Even though they were stupidly making references to his situation. The point of it is he's not in a good place. And he there's nothing you could have done to help him out. Absolutely nothing. Except be the emotional crutch you very much want to be. And while that is. Oh, I can, I, you know, that's just a lot of women out there i can change him okay (laughs) okay then when you get your feelings hurt and hurt in a way too that really this person's having a bad night you don't know what else led up to them because you decided to step up in their work environment Maybe when someone tells you this is not a good time, you take heed to that. So knowing it's not a good time for him, knowing he's in a place in a moment for you to walk up in there and then decide that's the end of y'all when you caught him at his lowest in a, in a bad place, then that's not one real love, but two, that's on you. So she goes back there and gets her feelings hurt. <laughs> it's essentially what happens. Because Carmen was just going on and on. I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve to. What did he say? I don't need to provide or refuse uh, or accept amusement or enjoyment. And I'm completely fine with that. It's going back to that. I am better when I am emotionally devoid of anything in my life and while that is a sad statement to make he's caught up in a moment he really is this is just him being a donna something richie points out a little bit later and then she goes i'm sorry you feel that way and i was like Say 
Also, don't declare your love on a voicemail. And then when they don't say anything to you. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I really did my best to give Claire a chance. I think probably more of a fair chance than anyone even wanted to. <laughs> I was watching this reaction from this uh, channel. It's like three. Oh, God, I can't remember their channel right now. It was three dudes. And only one of them was like really into the because he even admits like, I just love love stories. I don't really like it doesn't matter to me. I just like seeing people fall in love. And then the other two dudes, like their responses all season to Claire was just like, this bitch, who the fuck is she? And why is she still here? And then when they broke up, like they felt absolutely nothing. <laughs> when she got her feelings hurt, they was just kind of like, okay, you were here and now you're gone. Carmi lost something that he loved in the face of his own self uh issues let's just call it there and now he knows what it's like to lose someone when you allow your trauma to to continue to make the decisions in your life and i think i finally figured out what it was where i kept saying it's fantastical that's what it is it felt like with claire it was a harlequin romance novel it's not realistically something that was unfolding. It felt like they were very much putting themselves in this little bit of a fantasy world constructed of we used to grow up together and have crushes on each other and make hearts and Claire bears and this, that, and other thing. And then now we finally get together and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. It felt like a novel. It felt like a um, a fanfic. And that is what even their conversations felt like. <laughs> and so that, that very um, real rawness coming down and then she immediately panics and is out the door just proves to me that she was never, she was never the right one. Sydney begins to panic. PTSD is my guess from the hectic pace of the first night. Because didn't uh, Carmi say you all he would hear? Yeah, because when he went to sleep, he in the first season, he would just keep getting those uh, orders as they came in. So for as successful as the night was for her, now she's starting to continue to... um pick up behaviors from Carmi, the first being the little bit of cruelty to Marcus. Then we have what could possibly be the first signs of increased anxiety. And she was already, I mean, y'all saw that medicine cabinet in season one. Homegirl is on a lot of medication. And then there's the other flip side of that because People can get addicted to being under such high performing stakes. And then that can be a little bit of a cycle in itself that takes a mental and physical toll. 
And we see it take a physical toll well, first mentally because now she can only keep hearing what is no longer there. But also physically she runs outside and she throws up. Her dad runs over like, baby, all right. But she's like, no, I'm fine. And he acknowledges that this is indeed her thing. Two parents this night, only one offers the support their children need despite how they feel. Richie seen Claire leave mad at Carmi and then him and that having that conversation with Carmichael through the freezer, one beautifully shot, of course, and framed. But Richie's saying you should just allow something good to happen to him. He's right in that. That good thing, though, didn't need to be the thing that you and Michael chose for him. And then Carmi retaliates with how much he needs him to pay for his life because he's a fucking loser with a kid. He's like, well, at least I got a kid. And then he's like, fuck you. You're a fucking piece of shit, asshole. They just going ham. And then for Richie to just be like, I fucking love you. First, he starts being angry. Like, okay, I put your brother in the fucking ground. Where were you? Then he's just like, I fucking love you. I love you. You are responding with anger and I'm going to choose to respond with my love and understanding of what that anger is. And it's that abusive cycle that even though Richie himself had a really good night with family, they can't ever really support and then like love each other in the way that they should. So that abusive cycle becomes tantamount and in like almost intrusive to their relationship and to see Richie pulled down once again by another, uh, what's the la- their last name? Is it Jeremovich? Um, Cause he said it in this ap- episode. No, that's uh Richie's last name. What's Carmi's last name? Brazado. So yeah, he continues to be pulled down into the Brazado drama, first with the brother. Now he's got the other brother that he calls Donna. He's like, What the fuck do you say to me? He's like, You you know. <laughs> but that's the first time that that Richie let let spill, like, hey, you aren't so very different from the people you uh you can't stand who have caused you harm you're just basically uh taking on those exact same or have taken on those exact same traits also another um parallel between carmichael and sydney that when sydney lost her shit she did the same thing she went after his kid and called him a loser Luca sent Marcus a plaque with every second counts with a note that says make it worth it. And then we see his phone where the nurse is calling and I'm like, oh no, his mama died. But I'm going to say maybe his mom woke up. I think both storylines could work. One would be more surprising than the other. Her dying I think that would be a lot for Marcus knowing that he was focused on himself instead of what he 
may feel guilty about not being there for her and it being friends and family night and him not even checking in on her and we saw that he would constantly call her all the time and keep up with her but he started to move on so he may feel some kind of way about that or she wakes up and then he has to juggle now being a caretaker to or to you know being with his mom and then I think it's the other one though that makes a lot more sense <laughs> and it would strengthen the friendship between him and Sydney it better not be no segue for them doing anything because now I got my opening for Luca to come back in like oh Marcus is going to be needed with other things and that's what I'm saying the other storyline though that's what I meant to say because the other storyline if his mother was alive and she woke up and she was good and fine and stuff that Luca can come and help out at the restaurant and then him and Sydney can get together and yeah someone write it I expect it to be seen in the fanfic section wherever fanfic is published nowadays I I, I don't know it's been a while <laughs> but I will be searching them out so so get on that but yeah, that was very heartbreaking to know that he lost his mom. He probably lost his mom. So that's going to suck. But it also could mean Marcus could leave for a while and Luca can come back. Well, look, 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 look. I always look on the bright side. <laughs> always look on the bright side. So yeah, the episode ends with Carmi finally listening to the voicemail of Claire declaring her love and then being like, oh, damn. Well, and I think maybe his desire not to, like I said, confront that. He compartmentalized it and just didn't confront it at all. And that's why he found out his words had more of an impact than than they would expect. I still think, though, if you're in love, this should not be a deal breaker. It really shouldn't. But... I don't know if they're bringing her back season three. It very much feels like they're not, but they could change their mind and say, no, we want to invest in this more. And then as he gets better, maybe he goes back after her. But does anyone really want to see that? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think I have the impression she made very little on the fandom and not even directly because of anyone wanting two people to be together it just didn't she didn't click with just about anyone even the person she was supposed to be clicking with so those are my feelings on the season finale I do miss a little bit more of the humor from season one but that's just personal because season one was just so so funny And I like the way that they was lighting each other up half the time. (laughs) But the season one story has just been phenomenal. And I love this show. It still gets a 10 out of 10 for me. And I can't wait, even if it takes three years for season three to come out. Have they even renewed this? They they would be stupid not to. They would be stupid not to. So if you have any lingering thoughts, you can definitely leave those below. If you want to send feedback for Wheel of Time, blackercouch at gmail.com. Until next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.
great.